If you're here this morning, you know uh, that today is our Christmas presentation. Um, It is not a performance. If you've been with us over the last couple of years, you know that we've been doing this. And and as Miss Christine said, that usually the first portion of the service, we dedicate towards something that the kids and some of the adults do. And then I speak for a while. And we're doing it differently this year. We're going to incorporate the entire time into the service today. Um, So... At the end of it, we're not really going to have a moment that we can stop and we can thank all the people that were participating and and kind of, you know, applaud uh, because that feels more like a presentation or a performance. The whole purpose of the message today, and it's called God Made a Way, is to present the message of Christmas to all of you that are here today so that you can take this message and have it planted in your heart and that you can share it with others as well. Um, So we're going to do it backwards. We're going to thank everybody in advance for what you're about to see. Okay. So in faith, you need to tell everybody how much you appreciate them. Okay. Can we do that? Okay. So this is what I'm going to say. Okay. First, let me just say a couple things. Um, we have had a tremendous amount of help that get this off the ground again this year. Um, just a couple of quick statistics for you. Uh, yesterday's practice was over three hours where the little kids and the older kids and the adults came together to put together the different things that they did yesterday. Three hours. It's a lot. Three hours is, is a lot for anything, right? I mean, three hours is a lot for anything. And they, they pulled through with flying colors yesterday. For the last many weeks, the last four or five weeks, there has been Sunday morning practices and rehearsals going on during the services and in between services back in the children's area that we want to recognize as well for all the effort that's been putting together. These kids and these adults memorized some serious lines for this to happen. Memorizing lines. Anybody know that's like, you know, give you like a mild heart attack, just trying to do that in front of people. And they have done an incredible job doing that. Okay, we have over 50 volunteers across the church that have participated to get this off the ground and to work this year. Over 50. And that doesn't include any of the kids that are involved in it in the front that you saw. So that's a lot of people that were involved to do this. Um, I can't mention everybody and thank everybody, but we do just want to acknowledge a couple of people specifically for their effort and for their work. First off, everything that you hear and that you see today, uh, if the power of the mute button happens back in the AV booth. So we want to say thank you to to Christine McLean and Pastor Rob. We want to say thank you to Ben Caligari and to Trent Gerthy for helping with our video and our lighting and our audio and all the production that's happened through all of that. All of the microphones. How many of you say bless God for microphones? Thank you for microphones. We've got some awesome... The microphones were awesome this year, so thank you guys for doing all that and putting it together. We want to say thank you to that. We want to say thank you to Chanel Moba, who's going to be doing a musical special here in a little while. We want to say thank you for organizing that, Chanel. Really excited about that. Say thank you to Molly Hafner for the, uh, the music or for the human video that's going to take place at the end and for orchestrating that. That's really awesome. Of course, there's lots of people that we can thank. Um, I don't want to overlook anybody individually, but I just want to take a moment and thank Ms. Christine Barco for putting together this this week. Hang on, hang on. Hold your applause. Hold your applause. That's why. So every year, you know, she comes in and says like, hey, you know, Christmas is X number of, you know, months away. What do you want to do? And I say, I don't know. That's your job. You figure it out. And that's, that's how it goes every, every year um, in tongue in cheek. But that's kind of how it starts, right? Um, what are your ideas? But then we spend week after week kind of going through revision after revision after revision on how this is tweaked. And I want you to know that what you're going to see today is not something that was pulled off of the Internet. It's not something that we downloaded and tweaked. Everything that was put together was 
written, organized, and coordinated by Miss Christine and then the people that were helping her. So we just want to say thank you for all the effort that you put into this. So can we thank her? Okay. Are you guys ready? It's our heartbeat and my desire that what you all experience this morning is something that won't just be a message that you hear with your ears, but it's something that gets planted in your heart so that you can share it with others. Would you bow your heads as we get ready to to experience God made a way. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. I thank you, Lord, for loving us. I thank you for having the desire to be in relationship with us. I thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity today in the busyness of this Christmas season to be reminded that impossible things are possible when you're the one making the way. Teach us this morning, Lord. May your word overwhelm us today. May the truth of your love penetrate our hearts and may we live differently as a result of the message of Christmas. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I love Christmas. I loved how the teacher set up for the Christmas special. Yes, me too. But I didn't realize that manger was so heavy. Do you remember the Easter special and that stick and how it allowed us to go back in time and meet those characters that witnessed everything that happened that very first Easter? Yeah, it would be so cool if we could do that again. Go back in time, but this time when Jesus was born. Who would you guys want to meet from the first Christmas? Oh, I would want to meet Joseph, Jesus' dad. I wonder how he felt raising God's only son. Could you imagine? What about Mary? Could you imagine her reaction to seeing those wise men bringing their gifts? And what about Jesus? I wonder what kind of baby he was. Was he cute, fussy, happy? Did he burp? Remember Cleopas yelling, I saw him, I saw him. I saw him, I saw him. Just like that, he was so excited that he saw Jesus after his resurrection. These props will come in handy for the Christmas special. But what's that? It looks like some kind of book. Could you read some of it, Summer? Let me see. It's really dusty. It looks like the characters may be Chinese. At least that's what it looks like to me. Or maybe Hebrew, Greek? See, look. Whoa! Can you read it now? Those symbols changed into words. What's going on? I have no idea. Listen to what this page says. Mary just got back from visiting her cousin Elizabeth, who is also pregnant like Mary. God, I don't understand what you're doing. This is very scary. Are we really the ones that will be the parents of the Messiah? This baby you want us to name Jesus? God, is this really how you're going to choose to make a way to save all your people? Through a baby and a woman who I was even thinking about divorcing. God, I'm still afraid of what everyone will think when they find out Mary's pregnant. We aren't even married yet. The whole town will know, and they won't even understand. I don't understand. Why me? Why did you choose me to be Emmanuel's dad? How will I know what to do? 
This journal is definitely written by someone who knew people named Mary, Jesus, and Elizabeth. You don't suppose it's the real people from the Bible, do you? Zachariah, hurry. We have to get these groceries home before Cousin Mary gets here. I can't wait to tell her all about the baby. What should I make for dinner? Oh, yeah. I forgot. You can't talk. I can't wait till you can talk again. What happened at the temple when you were on duty? How did you lose your voice? What did you see? What did you hear? I can't believe we're going to have a baby soon and you can't even talk to me. Ding dong. Hello, Mary. Hi, Elizabeth. It's so good to see you. I'm so glad we can spend some time together um, before the babies come. God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You were blessed because you believed the Lord would do as he promised. God promised to make a way for his people. I just didn't expect it to be through a baby. Mary, will you come gather some figs with me for dinner? Of course. Oh, Zach, can you milk the cows so we have something to drink with dinner? <laughs> wow, was that really Zachariah Eliz- and Elizabeth, the mother, the, the parents of John the Baptist? And Mary, the mother of Jesus? I feel like it's happening again. We're going back in time, just like we did at Easter. That journal must have brought those people here so we could see them. I think we are seeing some of the first Christmas. This is so exciting. Summer, open the book again and see if you can read some more. Okay, here goes. (laughs) We just got back from visiting Zachariah and Elizabeth. They had a baby boy and named him John. Zachariah's voice returned while we were there, and he told me that an angel visited him, too, back before Elizabeth was pregnant. He was working at the temple, and the angel told him that Elizabeth would have a baby, even though she was older. He said his son would grow up to bring many people back to God and prepare people for the coming Messiah. The angel also gave some pretty weird instructions. John can't drink any wine, and the Holy Spirit would always be with him. The angel said John would be powerful like Elijah. Wow, God, I can't believe these things. Angels, losing voices, powerful kids in our family, the coming of the Messiah, it's all just too much to think about. God, why us? Why our family? We're going to name this baby now, Zacharias, after his father. No, we are naming him John. But there's no one in your family named John. Zach, what do you want to name your son? Don't you want to name him after you? <clears throat> His name is John. Thank you, God, for giving us this beautiful baby boy. 
We named him John, just like your angel told us to. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I pray you will grow strong in spirit and power like Elijah, just like the angel told us. I pray God will help us raise you to do all he has planned for you so that you can help prepare the way for the Messiah. Thank you, God. You always keep your promises. And so the Christmas story begins. I have a question for you. The question is this. Have you ever had a problem in life that felt impossible to solve? I think all of us could answer that in some way, maybe have different examples, but the question is a valid question. What is something that you have experienced, a problem that you've experienced that has felt impossible to solve? No amount of money, no amount of time or skill seems to be able to solve that problem. If you will, it's impossible. And that's really part of the message of Christmas where the impossible becomes possible. Every one of these stories that we're seeing this morning is going to remind us of something that seemed impossible but became possible simply because God made a way. We heard the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth, an older couple at a point where they were unable to have children and yet they had a promise that was given to them by an angel that they would have a child and his name would be John, which means the Lord is gracious seems like an impossibility. What's even more improbable is the way that the message even came to Elizabeth and to Zechariah. The Bible tells us that Zechariah was a Levite. He had responsibility for taking care of the things around the temple and the sanctuary, as all Levites did. But there were over 18,000 Levites at the time of the writing. So they took turns and they rotated for whatever the different responsibilities were. And as we see in the scripture As the story tells us in Luke, he was chosen by lot to go into the actual sanctuary and to offer incense and to burn incense unto the Lord. That is exactly where the angel met him. You think, what's the big deal with that? Well, 18 or 19,000 Levites with an opportunity to take care of the temple. And then by lot, he was chosen to go in and take care of the incense and the responsibility. Many believe that that would have been a once in a lifetime opportunity. And yet it was in that once of a lifetime opportunity that the angel met Zechariah and shared with him an impossible declaration that would become possible. He doubted, and as a result of his doubting, he couldn't speak until the baby was born. And when he was born and they named him John, his tongue was loosed and he began to declare the praises of God again. The impossible became possible. Or we hear the story of Mary. Many of us know the story of Mary, a young girl. Most people believe she was between 14 and 16 years old, probably, that was visited by an angel saying that she was going to not just be the mother of a child, but that she would become pregnant without ever having been with a man before. And this baby wouldn't just be a special baby. He would be called Emmanuel which means God with us. And the declaration was made to Mary that she was highly favored by the angel and by God, something again which would have been improbable during that time because she was a woman and women were not held in high regard. And yet God took that situation, which didn't just seem improbable, but a woman would have a baby 
after having no relationship with a man and it became a possibility. Why? Because God is a God of the impossible. And when man has no way, God makes a way. Did you guys see that? That was John the Baptist and his family. Yes, it was amazing. It seems they are wondering why God chose their family and what he's up and what he is up to. This is a ginormous day for us. Let's read more in this journal and see what else it might show us. Okay, but this time, Dylan, you can read. I have to go practice for my dance. But remember, no screaming. at a farmer's stable in Bethlehem. But how I wish I could have found a place in the inn for my family. This city is crazy busy right now because of everyone having to come home to be counted by order of Caesar. When we arrived, there was no room at the inn and it was time for Mary to have a baby. We ended up in a stable and are using a manger for our baby to sleep in. Thank you, God, for this place for us to stay. It's not a palace, but we have a roof over our heads, and our baby is warm. I still don't understand what you are doing. We are feeling very alone, but are trying to trust and follow you. God, please provide a way for our family. I think Joseph is writing these entries. I agree with you, because look, isn't that Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus in the stable? I think so, but maybe if we keep reading, we'll find out for sure. Okay. Okay. I'll open the journal and see if we can read a bit more. Strangers came to visit us today. They were shepherds and fit right in with us at the stable. They even had their sheep with them. They told us an amazing story about how angels visited them in the fields while they were taking care of their sheep. The angels scared them at first, but told them the good news about Jesus being born. They know it was a savior because he'd be wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. That just blows my mind because that's exactly how they found Jesus. When they left, they said that they would tell everyone they met this child. God, I wonder if everyone else will be amazed and in all of what you are doing. I think this entry is all about shepherds visiting Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. That had to be one crowded stable. I bet it was pretty smelly, too. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing the angels have told us about. Okie dokie, those angels were really cool. Those angels were messengers sent straight from God to tell us the great news that our Savior has been born. Do you know how long our family has been waiting to hear that news? Uh, just a couple of years. Sheep, you're hilarious. Our family has been waiting for generations, 
for hundreds of years for this news, and now it's finally here. That's so exciting. Are we almost there? I can't wait to meet this savior dude. I bet he'll be huge and strong, a kind king, a great Chief, soldier, and... Weren't you paying attention? The angel said the savior was just born. That means he's still a baby. They said we'll find him resting in a manger. You know, the place that holds your food, your hay. Really? Well, that's strange. How can he be our savior then? How will a baby make a way for us to get to God? You know, for a sheep, you do ask some great questions. Honestly, I don't really know. I guess we're just going to have to trust that God knows what he's doing. One thing I do know for sure, though, we're here. Come on, let's see this new little baby. Okie dokie, Uncle Smokey. Who's Uncle Smokey? Oh, never mind. Do you guys think there were really talking sheep back then? Maybe. After all, who would have thought going back in time to see the first Christmas was a possibility? I suppose it could be possible. You know, in the Bible, it does say with God, anything's possible. Certainly. Now, let's watch the shepherds and their sheep finish their visit with Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus. It's just like the angel said it would be. Jesus is born! The baby is wrapped in clothes and laying in my food dish, just like they said. Amazing. God is incredible. This is so amazing. God always keeps his promises. Let's go tell everyone about this special baby. Okie dokie, Uncle Smokey. Christ is born. Our Savior is here. He is Christ the Lord. Someone tell Uncle Smokey. (laughs) That sheep was pretty funny. He sure was. I bet it was fun for all the shepherds to share the news of the Savior being born with everyone. It must have been amazing to hear. There must have been lots of celebrating, excitement, and joy. Let's go see what other decorations are already. Summer! It's so cool to go back in time again and witness some of this amazing story. Are you guys ready to see what's next? Yeah. I wonder who we'll see next. Wise men, angels, or maybe more talking animals. I don't know, but we're about to find out. Strangers came to visit us today. They were shepherds and fit out, wait, fit right in with us at the stable. They even, wait, I don't We have settled in nicely here in Bethlehem over many months. All kinds of people have visited our family from all over. Today we had three men from the far, far east come looking for Jesus. They said they followed a star all the way here until it stopped over our, our house. These grown men bowed down and worshipped this little toddler, our little guy. Then they gave him very crazy expensive gifts. Gold, incense, and myrrh. Those are not ordinary baby gifts. God, this is all crazy and amazing all at the same time. The good news is everything you told us about this baby before he was born is coming true. 
This child is going to be our Messiah, the Savior of our world. How is a baby going to save the whole world? How is he going to make a way for you to save us, I wonder? Are we there yet? You're tired. I've been doing all the heavy lifting. I'm tired too. It feels like we've been on the road for years. That's because we have been on the road for years. Look, there's the star, and it looks like it isn't moving anymore. Yay, we are finally here. Have we found the king of the Jews? I hope so. I'm over the moon excited. Get it? Over the moon? Yes, we get it. We are astrologers, students of the stars and moons. Ha ha, we get it. You're so punny. Oh, that's a good one. Punny instead of funny. Oh man, what did I get myself into traveling with you two? Wow, I thought this new king would be in a palace in Jerusalem. This is just an ordinary house in Bethlehem. Wow, it is so great to meet you. Thank you, God, for sending this humble king to your people. Messiah, you are the bright and morning sun. It's so good to meet you. God has great plans for you and your people. We are honored to have met you and pray that you will accomplish great things in the name of the Lord your God. We have some treasures we would like to offer you. Here is the treasure of gold because you are the king. Here is the treasure of incense because you are a priest. Here is the treasure of myrrh, because you're the Messiah. Wow, I didn't know the wise men were astrologers. That makes more sense now. They were following the star because they are studying stars. Yeah, I didn't know that the wise men's gifts to Jesus actually foretold the roles that Jesus would play in our lives. You know, our priest, our savior, and our God. That's kind of cool. And I didn't know it took a year longer to travel to meet Jesus. We all learned something new today. Let's go see what other decorations or props Miss Christine needs us to get out. so more impossible becomes possible as we see the story of Christmas. I've never been a shepherd in the way that they were shepherds in the Bible, but I know a few things about those shepherds that we hear about in the story. We see the story of the shepherds and how they were out tending their flocks, the scriptures say, and they were visited by an angel and the angel tells the story that there is a savior that's being born that day in Bethlehem. Pretty powerful story to think about. This is why I think it's even more significant. Nobody wanted to be a shepherd. A shepherd wasn't one of those roles that people would have aspired to have. You didn't grow up when you were a little kid thinking, I want to grow up one day and be a shepherd. It wasn't a position of high status. It was a low position. It wasn't looked upon with adoration In fact, in many ways, shepherds were considered dirty and grungy because they spent their time caring for animals out in the fields. The Bible even says in the story that shepherds were out in the fields, living in the fields with their flocks when the angel actually came and appeared to them. What's so significant, I think, about this impossibility 
is that one of the greatest, I'm sorry, the greatest announcements in the history of the world was made to shepherds. God didn't go to the religious leaders. He didn't go to the king. He didn't go to people of high influence or power. He went to the shepherds and said, today there is great joy because a savior is being born in Bethlehem. It was seemed like an impossibility because a powerful message and a great message would be brought before great people first. And yet God chose to bring the message through the common man. Sounds impossible, but it happened and God made the way. And then we see the story of the wise men or the magi as some of us call them, which really just means wise men and how they traveled from afar to come and to give honor to the birth of the king of the Jews. Now, we don't really know what they did. We don't know really who they were. Some speculate that they were priests. Some speculate that they were royal advisors. We do know that they studied the stars because it was through the appearance of a star and their understanding of the scriptures that we can see that they knew that when the star came, and they recognized the star, it was the sign, the message that a new baby, a new king, if you will, was being born. And their response was to prepare and go visit this infant king. We do know that they didn't show up as some of the story tells us in the plays when we see wise men come an hour or a day or two after the baby was born. We know that that couldn't have happened because they traveled from afar. Most people believe that because they came from the area maybe of Persia, that the trip could have taken them many months to a year. And by the time they saw the star and prepared themselves and organized the trip and communicated what was going to happen and loaded up all of their things and went to visit Jesus, that Jesus was no longer a baby in a manger, but he was a toddler, a little boy. So what takes place to allow all this to happen? What's the situation? As I said, men from an unknown place followed a star that was written about centuries before to worship a new Jewish king. Sounds impossible. But with God, it was made possible because God always makes a way. Let's finish getting these decorations and props out for Christmas. I want to finish getting the props ready, too. But can we read a little more from the journal and then finish? Yeah, I don't want this to end. Summer, can you please read a little more? But, of course. We just returned home from Jerusalem where we presented our son to the Lord at the temple. We gave him the name of Jesus, just like the angels told us before he was conceived. We faithfully made the sacrifices of doves and pigeons at the temple to fulfill the law given to us through Moses. I wonder if our people will always have to make sacrifices like this. Well, at the temple, we ask God to please give us wisdom to raise this baby in a way that honors him. Then, just like that, two people spoke to us about our son. The first was a man named Simeon. He held Jesus and prayed to prayed to God thanking him for sending the Savior just like he promised for all people. I can't believe this promise is for all people. 
Next, we had a prophetess, Anna. Anna confirmed all that we have been told about her son, too. She was so happy to finally meet him after waiting at the temple for the Messiah a long, long time. Anna! Anna! I have great news to tell you. God is so faithful and he kept his promises. God promised me that I would not die until I met the Savior, a Messiah. And I saw him! I got to hold him, meet him, talk to his parents. It was awesome. It's incredible, I know. I saw him too, at the temple. I also spoke with his parents. God is so unbelievably awesome. His promise came true today. He promised us we'd see this incredible thing, and we did. I have no words. God is not only making a way for our people, but for the Gentiles through this boy. God cares about everyone. He's not just a God of the Jews. He's a mighty God over everyone. I'm so thankful I was able to see him, meet him. Now I can die a happy man. Oh, not yet. (laughs) I know what you mean. I've been waiting over 60 years at this temple, waiting to see how God was going to save Jerusalem and all people. The day is finally here. Let's go tell everyone the good news that God's promises to all people have come true today. I need to find Uncle Smokey. Yes. (laughs) Years at church, day and night. I don't think I could do that. Neither. I mean, I like church, but not that much. It would have been amazing to see Jesus in that temple being dedicated to God. You know, God's still amazing, and he keeps his promises. He loves us, and he'll never leave us. If we try to talk to him, he'll always answer us. Maybe not through angels like he used to, but he still talks to us today. Yes. But I've never thought about what it must have been like for Joseph. He had to raise God's only son as the promises were coming true. He really didn't know how God was going to keep those promises. Talk about pressure. That's a huge responsibility. Yeah. After seeing the first Christmas through Joseph's eyes, I wonder how he really felt during the raising of Jesus. Was he ever afraid, lonely, hopeless? Did he have faith in God the whole time, or did he question him? I mean, I think we all feel those things at times. I mean, I feel those, I feel, I get scared sometimes at night in the dark. And I wonder, do our parents ever worry about how they're raising us? Hey, look, is that who I think it is? Is that Joseph? Let's go see. When I think back to when Jesus was first born, I become overwhelmed. It all started with Mary becoming pregnant before we were married. I had all these thoughts going through my head and all these feelings I didn't know what to do with. I thought Mary had broken her promise to me and was unfaithful. I felt so betrayed, betrayed by the person I trusted the most, my soon-to-be wife. How could I marry her? How could I trust her? How could I even look at her? I was so angry, hurt, and disappointed, so much that even now, I I still feel all those emotions. I remember not knowing what to do and thinking that everyone in town would be talking about us, judging us, like they never made a mistake. I was sure they would punish us. We had a whole future planned, and just like that, it was ruined. 
That's when I made up my mind to leave Mary quietly and get a divorce before the news got out. No one would blame me. Anyone in my situation would be angry, disappointed. It was hopeless, unforgivable. But little did I know what God had planned for us. Oh, hello kids. Can I share a few things with you? I am moved when I think about my life with Mary and Jesus. I look around and I see so many things that remind me of everything that God's done for us. Like this blanket over here. One night, an angel came to me and told me that God was going to make a way for Mary and I to be together and that everything was going to be okay. And when I woke up that morning, I felt this incredible peace, something that I can't even describe to you now. And just like this blanket kept Jesus warm, God's peace comforted me. And shortly thereafter, Mary and I were married and Jesus was born. The next thing I'd like to show you is my ring right here. This ring not only represents love and commitment to my family, but also to God. You see, things weren't always easy. Mary and I were new parents and newly married. We had to learn a lot about hope and trust and forgiveness, but God's love never wavered. God made a way. You see, God could have sent Jesus as a soldier or a king, but instead, he chose to send him as a baby, an innocent baby, to grow up like we do. God is awesome. And lastly, I want to show you my dream. You see, my journal here reminds me of the hope of God. I can hope because God proved himself to me so many times. Just look at my story. God made a way for him to be born and grow up to save us all. We can all have hope in God and his promises. Can I pray with you before I go? Thank you, Father, for always listening and loving us. God, I know you've made a way for me, my family, and these kids through your son, Jesus. Help us continue to love and trust you. May you give your peace, love, and hope to these kids this year. Amen. So the message of Christmas that we've continued to see, the Christmas story, now we're looking at Joseph. There are three different words that were shared message of hope, message of peace, and a message of love. And I think all of us have heard these words, especially when they relate to the story of Christmas around the Christmas season. We've probably all heard those words, but do we really know what those words mean? Do we spend some time thinking about what the words mean, or do we just gloss over those words because they just seem to go with the Christmas holiday? The Bible teaches us that there was hope. And one way of illustrating what hope really means is that God made a way. Examples that we saw this morning of hope look like Zechariah and Elizabeth. They demonstrated hope because there was a promise that she would have a baby, though she was too old to have a child. And she had a hope that she trusted in. And though it seemed impossible, God brought the impossible to pass. He made a way. And there was celebration because of that. Not just any baby, but a little boy named John, 
who would be the one to pave the way for the coming Savior. God made a way. And hope was what they trusted in. Or how about Simeon and Anna, how we saw that just a few moments ago. The hope that lasted, not for a moment, but for years. We live in a world today where sometimes if we don't receive the thing that we're looking for within moments, we become intolerant or impatient. And yet Anna waited 60 years to see a promise come to pass. 60 years. And there was great hope to know that God would fulfill his promise, and he did. The message of Christmas is the message of hope. And then we see the message of peace that comes. And every year through the Christmas season, we hear people talk about the message that was given from the heavenly realm. That when Jesus was born, the message to the people was that there would be peace on earth. Peace on earth. We saw Joseph and Mary in this story. And Joseph and Mary illustrate what real peace looks like. Because Mary being told that she would become pregnant with a, with a baby without ever being in relationship with a man was a definite impossibility. But have we ever thought, have you ever thought what the implications of this calling meant for Mary and Joseph for the rest of their life? For Mary, it meant that she would be misunderstood for her entire life. There would be people that would misunderstand Mary for the rest of her life. Because Jesus, though he was a baby, he grew up 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Scriptures say he really didn't begin his public ministry until around 30 years or 32 years old. For the first 30 years of this boy's life, he was a special child. And Mary knew in her heart what the truth was. But there would still be people that would look at Mary through the lens of question, cynicism, and doubt. All these years, Mary, and you're still holding on to this lie. All these years, you're still holding on to a facade, something that is really not true. You really want us to believe that you just became pregnant with this baby. It was a calling that she had to keep close to her heart and bear through her entire life. Or Joseph. Joseph wasn't the one who bore the child, but he was the one that raised the child. He would have been the father to many of an illegitimate son that would have been carried with him every year that the boy lived. Look what Joseph is doing. Joseph is taking care of that son, and it's not really his son. And nobody seems to know who the father is. But Joseph bore that weight and that responsibility. And we see in the Christmas story that God granted them peace because both of them were visited by angels of the Lord to show them that there was a bigger plan that was bigger than themselves, something they would not understand until later. And God gave them peace. I think sometimes we think that true godly peace means that whatever's bothering us in the world and whatever storm that we're walking through goes away. But that's not always the case. Sometimes God doesn't calm the storm. Sometimes God calms our heart in the midst of the storm. And that's what he was doing in Mary's case and in Joseph's case. And they experienced true peace. And then the message of Christmas is certainly the message of love. We know the Bible says that God's word is love. God himself is love. Yes, there are other facets of God's character and his nature, but ultimately, foundationally, God truly is a God of love above everything else. And we saw that illustrated through the shepherds and through the wise men. 
And I think it's so powerful for us to remember the fact that people that thought they were of no significant value to the culture were the first people that God proclaimed his message of salvation to. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that powerful? That God took those of low position and raised them up to great positions because they matter. And that's the message of love. The message of love is that people matter to God. Everyone matters to God. That's part of why Christmas is important. That's part of the message that we're talking about this morning, that everyone matters to God. And then he declared the message not to the Jewish leaders, not to the priests and the rabbis, not to the king of the area, but outside the nation of Israel to non-Jewish people that lived many, many miles away. He proclaimed it to the lowest of the lows, and then he proclaimed it to people who weren't even part of the nation. And the message that he was saying was that everyone matters to God. I think those three things are totally relevant for us today in 2017, church. 2017, the message of Christmas today is just as relevant as it was then. Why? Because all of us need to experience true hope. Every single one of us has faced impossible odds in some way. All of us need to know that God makes a way. God makes a way to connect me with him and him with me. He made a way. He always has made a way. He always will make a way. That's the message of Christmas. That's the story of the gospel. The story of the gospel is that we cannot make a way on our own. But God does. And it came in the form of his son, Jesus. A baby. I think all of us can understand the need for peace in the world that we live in. We live in a very unsettled time. And there are storms that our hearts wrestle with each and every day. The message of Christmas is the message of peace. Do you know that the storms in your heart can be calmed through the presence of a loving God? Do you know that today? Jesus came to bring us peace, but not just temporary peace, the peace the Bible says that passes all understanding. That's why he came. That's why he was born. That's why he lived, and that's why he died, so that we could experience true peace. It's why he rose again, so that we could be in eternal relationship with the Father. If you're here today and you wrestle with anxiety or you wrestle with uncertainty, you wrestle with impossible situations that make you wonder if your life will ever just breathe easy. You know the breathe easy moments in our lives that we all desire? We just need to take a deep breath. You know what I love about knowing the peace of God through the story of Christmas? That God is in control. God is always in control. Even when it doesn't make sense, God is always in control. We cannot look at our struggles and our situations and blame God. God is not waiting for us to be perfect. He just wants us to trust him and walk the journey and get closer to him and not let the struggles of our world push us away from him. He wants the struggles that we deal with and the problems that we deal with to draw us closer to him because if we do so, there is a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that you and I can receive because the message of Christmas includes the message of peace. And lastly, 
there is the message of love. Just like he loved the shepherds, just like he loved the wise men, today the message extends to you and to me. That he loves you and he loves me. And it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter how far you think you have come away from God. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how bad you think you are. All of us, the Bible said, are in desperate need of a savior. And he loves you and he loves me enough to show that through the story of Christmas, that whether you are of no status or whether you are of a great status from another place, he makes a way for you to know him. And that's powerful. And that's the message of the gospel today, church. The gospel message, the good news, is that Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, stripped himself of his divine nature and authority to be born in a feeding trough in humble circumstances, to be raised up on this earth, live a sinless life so that you and I, by trusting in his work on the cross and his resurrection, can be in relationship with with God for eternity. It's a powerful message. It's the message of the gospel that God made away. The gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel that makes a way. The good news is that Jesus made a way for you and for me. This was never about a performance this morning. In fact, I think sometimes as people, as Christians, we we get lost sometimes in the life that we're in, forgetting that we share the same problem that people that don't know Jesus have. In the beginning of this presentation, I asked you a question. And the question was, have you ever been or ever had a problem in life that seemed impossible to solve? Have you ever had a problem in life that seemed impossible for you to solve? You know what's interesting about that question is that there are 7 billion people on this planet, church. And every one of us can answer that question with a resounding yes. We have all had a problem that seems impossible to solve. And the answer to that question is the same answer for all 7 billion people. The answer is sin. All of us have the same problem that could not be solved. It doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter what educational status you have. It doesn't matter how much money you've made or what country you were raised in. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a functional family or a dysfunctional home, if you were part of a large family or if you were an orphan. It doesn't matter. Every one of us share the same problem. Our sin has separated us from relationship with God. We all have the same problem. We're born into sin, the Bible says. And maybe you've heard this many times in your life, but it's so important for us to remember that the message of Christmas should remind us that the impossible situation, the most impossible situation with the greatest eternal consequences could not have been solved on our own. But you and I and the world have an opportunity for the problem to be solved by trusting in the work of Christ. The work of Jesus 
who willingly laid himself down, took his power, the Bible says, and stripped himself of his eternal nature to become a humble baby in a manger, raised by humble means to grow up a sinless life, to die, to be buried, and to raise again so that you and I could have life with God. This is a message every Christmas that needs to be spoken, not just during this time of year, but all through our years, all through our days. We need to hear the message of Christmas that God made a way because there are people all around this world that don't know this eternal truth that God made a way. The thing I love about it the most when I revisit those three things of hope and peace and love is being reminded that when things feel utterly hopeless in this world, and they do feel hopeless sometimes, don't they? Don't things that we wrestle with in this world feel like there's no true solution to it? God made a way. He split time in half. And his son came so that we may live. That when my heart is pounding and I feel like there's no place for me to turn for real peace, God made a way by demonstrating that I can receive the peace that passes understanding by receiving his gift of salvation and entering into the family that he's already asked me to be a part of. That the love of God is so real and so true and so genuine that if he would come to a shepherd or he would come to a magi or a wise man, that if he would come to anybody from any position or social status, he comes to me too. That there are no people that are better in this world than others. There are people that honestly believe that if, if you're better than someone else, then God views you in a better way. And there's no truth to that in the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ says all of us have fallen short of the gospel and the saving grace of God. All of us have fallen short, guys. That means that the individual that lives a good life and the individual who commits their life to evil was equally and is equally loved by God so that Jesus came for both. He didn't just come for me. He didn't just come for you. He came for everyone. There are people in this world that are bent on doing evil all their life. And the message of Christmas is that Jesus came so that they could live. Can our minds even understand that today? Do you believe that today? Maybe you don't believe it. Maybe someone you know doesn't believe it. I had a conversation with someone just this past week. They were talking about their world and their experiences and how they view God, how they grew up in their religious tradition and what they see God is like and what he's not. And this is what they said to me. They said, I've always seen God as a big, tall man with a long gray beard and he's always angry. He's always angry. And that's what they learned in the places that they were in. And I said, that's not the Bible. That's not the message that the Bible brings to us. Because the message that I see in Scripture is the message that you and I should see in Scripture is that God loved us so much that he made a way that came all the way down to a little humble servant in a feeding trough. 
that he's relentless in pursuing relationship with you and with me. He's relentless, guys. Do you know that? Relentless means he never, ever gives up. He created it in Genesis to be so that you and I should know him forever. And sin enters the world through man's decision and separates us from God. And thousands of years later, the only one who can fix the problem we created is God himself. And he does. Through his son. Does it stir you this morning, if you know Jesus, to know that the solution to our problem only comes from him? Does it stir you to know that by you putting your faith in him, you are welcomed into his family and your eternity is secure and your relationship with God can begin today? Does it stir you to know that there are 7 billion people in this world that all need to hear the same message? And are we complacent? And are we willing to just take the message to ourselves and not share it? Are we willing to go out and actually bring the message of hope to a dying world? Are we willing to be that voice, that mouthpiece? Because there will be a day one day that we stand before God and he'll say, I gave you the greatest gift you ever could have received. And did you keep it for yourself? Or did you release it and share it with others? It is the greatest gift we could ever have, church. That God made a way. And Jesus is that way. Would you stand with us this morning? God, our hearts are open to you this morning as we worship you. May we be reminded through the message of Christmas that you bring hope and you bring peace and you bring love by taking those who are dead in our sin and making us alive again in Christ. Give us that hope this morning today, we pray in Jesus' name.